we've got a lot to talk about today on the podcast, so tune in. If you want, grab your Bible and turn to Genesis 19. As I said in open, turn to Genesis 19, and if you hear a little noise in the background, i got a fan running here in the studio trying to stay cooled down just a little bit. Uh, warmer days across the country, really, but we're hoping that everybody having a great week, and uh, I know I'm a little delayed getting this out to everyone this week, but I've had a lot taking place trying to just get it all done. Uh, sometimes things have to take a few moments behind the scenes to uh, be done but we're we're grateful to you have chosen to listen once again and I, I want to talk about a lot <laughs> now I say that as a play on words but the reality simply is this I said turn to Genesis 19 if you've gone there you probably already know I want to look at a story now I've talked about Abraham over the last couple of weeks and in church we've been on this and and I've been not really wanting to do the same things um, in church as I'm doing on this podcast, but the reality is, is it feels uh, like at this moment I kind of need to, uh, given the circumstances that we're facing in the world today, uh, the things that are going on around us in the world, and how do we be a Christian in a world that is full of strife and struggle and heartache? And uh, I talked about Abraham and how he met up with Melchizedek. I talked about that whole story a couple weeks ago on a podcast. And um, in studying over the last couple of weeks in Genesis 19, I've recognized something about us that I really, really want to talk about. Now, first, I want to go back to the talk about Abraham. So if you want to go back to Genesis 14 with me for a moment and look at some of the story with Abraham and Melchizedek, I want us to look at life and what is life supposed to be and what we see in the example. And and the reality is I want to talk about Lot today and how we are how we don't want to be a lot. Now, I know that a lot is a statement that gets used to describe a great number of things, but I'm using that today. So when I say, you know, that's a lot, or I say that's not a lot, I'm probably referencing Lot himself in those statements just to clarify so that we don't get confused. Um, and I'll try to avoid using the term another way today. But what I want us to look at in this, if we go back to Genesis 14 and we see the story of Abraham who was then Abram and Melchizedek. He goes and he saves Lot and all of Sodom. Now, one of the things that we must understand in that story, he saved the entire city to save Lot. Now, we can look at that story and, and I want to look at who we should be. Abram is then in, instructed by God to give 10% of the spoils to Melchizedek so he does and and Melchizedek meets him on the road he meets him with the bread and the wine we talked about all that he gives him the 10 percent now what I want us to understand however is that's who we should be in the church but I want to look a little deeper at something that Abraham did that is not like Lot and that is one he he gave glory to God he was starting to really understand and get what was going on and he still makes mistakes in his life after this that's not something that we all don't do but we are 
in some ways in the church, either like Abraham or like Lot. And I want to clarify that statement by first clarifying how we might be like Abraham. And then I want to go into details about how we can be a lot in our church. Um, and it's really kind of changed that reference of point to me in this conversation in knowing that we can be a lot sometimes to handle. And, uh, and I mean that in that we can be a lot and that is difficult to handle. Um, but looking at the story of Abram and, and, and Melchizedek and what he did and how he gave, he gave that 10%, but notice what Abram also did that I didn't really talk about a couple of weeks ago. And that is he gave everything else away. He did not keep anything more than he needed. Now, folks, we are in a time when the world tells us that we need to hold on to our stuff. We need to hold on to what is ours that we are in that we're in charge of taking care of ourselves. That whole attitude of you only live once or that it's up to us or only you can provide for you. Abraham gave God everything in a sense that he gave God the 10 percent he required. And then after giving the king of Salem, Melchizedek, the 10%, he could have kept some of the spoils for himself, but he didn't. He gave those to the king of Sodom. Now, we did talk about this a little bit, I think, uh, but he gave those to the king of Sodom and he said, I don't want you to be able to say that you gave me anything. So I will take only what my men need and that'll be it. So how the, the two types of people in the church today that are in the church, you have the group like Abraham, who is willing to give everything they have uh, for what God's purpose is. And they don't keep anything more than they need. They, they use what they need and uh, they give the rest away so that the world can't have that over them like the king of Sodom like Abraham said to the king of Sodom there I don't want you to say that you gave me anything so I'm not going to give you that opportunity do we go into that step and say to the world today do I don't want to give you that opportunity so I'm not going to give you that over me I'm not going to take these things from the world and say the world has given me anything because the world has not. Everything that I have is a blessing from God and I will take only what I need and we'll go on about our day. That's Abraham. But then we get to the story of Lot. Now, I'm not comparing apples and oranges here necessarily, but there is a second group of people. There's really three groups of people. You have the Sodomites, which would be the third group of people. And we can mention that quickly, uh, but we won't really talk about them. We know who they are. They are around us in the world today, everywhere. Um, the Sodomites and, and the Gamorites or Gomorites, whatever you want to call them. But the, the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah who perish in the judgment of God. But what we see in Genesis 18 is that Abraham 
is now bartering with God for the life of Lot and saying, can you save Sodom if there are 10 righteous people? Now, what we find interesting in Genesis chapter 19 is that apparently God couldn't find Lot had didn't even have 10 friends that were righteous. Um, but what I find more interesting in the in the life of Lot is that. I would honestly say that the majority of our church today, especially in the American church, but worldwide in some ways, the majority of our American church for sure, and and in the church worldwide, we see a lot among the crowd. Now, what does that look like? Who is a lot? Well, Lot, we first meet him at the gates of Sodom in chapter 19. Well, first, if we go back to when the land was chosen, he chose greedily. He chose what looked to be the most luscious, and he chose what he thought would give him the advantage over Abraham one day. So we already know that he was looking after things of the world and how he could gain materially rather than spiritually. Because God also promised Abraham at the time that all of that would also be his one day. But... But here's the thing that I find interesting with Lot. Lot is at the gates of the city. What does that say about Lot? It means that Lot thinks he's important. Lot is playing Walmart greeter for Sodom. He's at the door. He's greeting folks as they come in. And he sees these two angels as they make their entrance. Now, did he know they were angels? That's debatable. What we did know is, or what we do know is, that he did know they were visitors from out of town. And they did not have any idea in his mind, how the city operated. So Lot makes an offer and says, come to my home. I, I want you to come to my home and spend some time with my family and I will feed you. You can stay the night and then go about your business. And they say, no, we would rather go to the center of the city, to the, to the city square. And Lot says, you do not want to go to the city square. He, he convinces them they do not want to be a part of the city. And so, and I'm just paraphrasing the whole story real quickly because, I, I, you know, I'm going to get to my point here momentarily. But what I want you to hear is Lot convinces them not to go. He convinces them to come home with him. He must have been pretty convincing because after much pushing, they do go to Lot's home and and come in and, and sup with him and I find something interesting in this that Lot in in some ways is sitting at the at the city gates almost like he's there as this beacon of light in a dark place now we in the church are that way sometimes many times we get wrapped up in this thinking that we're doing some good for the world around us Lot sitting at the door of Sodom and he's warning two men about the city square and what he, they don't want to take part in. Now, needless to say, this is where things get interesting because the comparison with Lot and that Lot in our churches today is this, that there are many who are sitting at the door of the world who are warning others about going inside, about going to the center, about spending time in the world. They're, they're living this righteous life and they're sitting at the gate warning the travelers that are coming in. But they've made their home in that world. 
Lot made his home in Sodom. The closer Lot got to Sodom, the closer Sodom got to Lot. And as we look at this story, one of the things that really, really speaks to me in all of it is that Lot was not unaffected. Now, I haven't got to the part of the story that shows us that yet, but I want us to stop and focus on this for just a moment. How we have our Abrahams, we have our lots, and we have our Sodomites within the church today. You have those who are righteous and living righteous. They may make mistakes every once in a while, but they're giving it everything they've got, doing the best they can to strive and serve the Lord in the proper way if they can. Then you have those who are the sodomites who are not even making an effort they don't come in the doors they don't care about church and then you have your lots who have one foot in the door and one foot outside of the door now how do i know lot was that way well even the sodomites knew he didn't belong and we'll get to that in a moment as well but what i want us to see is that lot was at the gate of the city which says i know i'm important He's greeting people at the door, basically, seemingly saying, hey, I'm I'm here and I'm someone you need to deal with as you come into the town. He's an ambassador, so to speak. This is his land. It's been promised to him. So he took it and he is in control. How many times do we have uh, those righteous among us in the church who are the greeter at your door, the one who always says what the church stands for, but they're not really living in the same way. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? You have those in the church who are, they are the most vocal among you. You have your strong, silent Abraham types who are serving and doing the work and, and maybe making mistakes every once in a while, but they are trusting in the Lord and they're trying their very best to follow the plan that God has laid before them. I'm sure they're maybe at times trying to force God's hand in circumstances where they feel his promises lie and God's saying, whoa, slow down, tiger. We've, we need to wait for a minute. You've got the sodomites who don't even get involved either way. They might show up for church every once in a while, but they don't really embrace the culture. But then you have the one who embraces the culture, but has made their home on the other side. Lot is that one. Lot at the city gate proves that he has some righteousness in him. Peter himself in his letter writes that Lot was righteous but had been affected by the city. So as we think about that and we look at this whole story and we think about just the atmosphere and the conversation and everything that go along with it. What it really comes down to is this idea, I guess, that. You know, Lot had been affected. Lot had made his home in Sodom. He had moved and he first moved close to Sodom. Then he moved into Sodom and then he moved inside the city and closer to the center of Sodom. And the closer he moved, the closer the city came to him. 
Now, how do I know that this was dangerous for Lot? Well, I mean, as we look at the church and how that plays into the conversation of today. One, we have Abraham, as I said, the, the righteous who's striving to do the right things and trying to live according to God's will in his life. We have the Sodomites who are not. They're ignoring it. They're pushing it aside. They don't even care. And then you have the one who's pretending to be one way while living in the other. And we can say that that is because we're trying to witness to those friends. We're trying to witness to those people. We're trying to to live in that place so that we can show them how it is. But look at what it did to Lot. Lot living in Sodom. They come to the door and knock on the door and say, we saw two men come to you. Bring them out. We want to have our way. We want to have sex with them is the, is the translation that many of those translations say. They wanted to rape them. They wanted to rape them, folks. They wanted to assert their dominance. They wanted to show them how the world lives. Look, the world does that to you all the time. When the world finds that you've crept your way in, what does the world do? They want to show you the good time. They want to show you how the world lives. They want to show you everything about their ways. And they want to assert their dominance over you. They knew what they were doing. And it wasn't just the old. It was the young and the old alike. The whole city had become corrupt. They all wanted a piece of the two men. Now, the interesting factor is Lot refuses to send them out. Lot has this righteous conflict all of a sudden, knowing that it's wrong what was taking place, but knowing that these men were not. And then what happens next is Lot offers his two daughters, proving that Lot didn't care what he lost to the world. As long as he kept some portion of what he held dear as long as he could protect the two men now let's look at this conversation for a moment and see what took place here number one one thing i notice is that if you are like lot if you are lot you're going to lose your children to the world that's what was taking place and when lot then is warned by the two angels they they cause blindness in the city to keep them from attacking lot because the next statement that the city made to lot was pretty disruptive and it's a statement that we hear from the world day in and day out the world comes at us and they say you know give us this or give us that and we'll concede with you on this and we keep making concessions and offers and saying well let's know let's look at it this way let's compromise this way let me you know you want this but i want to give you this and we'll make it meet right and the world then says much like the men of sodom they look at lot and they say look you came here as a foreigner you're an alien you don't belong here they know who Lot is. They recognize him. They recognize the way he carries himself. He is not one of them, and they know he's not. They had left him alone, seemingly, to this point. 
But then they tell him, they said, look, we're going to do worse to you than we would have done to them. And they come at him and the, the, the angels reach out. They pull Lot inside and, and they make the door disappear. Or they cause a temporary blind, whatever it is they cause. There's no longer any vision for them to be able to see to take Lot into captivity. And then the next morning, uh, that evening, the angels say, well, look, we're going to destroy the city. And he tells them to go and warn anyone in the city that might want to leave. They go and warn the daughters, uh, son, the, the soon-to-be son-in-laws. They laugh at Lot. Folks, these two men... These two angels could have gone into the city and said things themselves. And when they did, the world was turned upside down and it was done. But when Lot shared it, they laughed at him. Because Lot didn't take it even seriously. The next morning when they said, get up and go, Lot tarried and they were dragged out. Because God had made Abram a promise to save Lot and his family. God had made Abraham a promise to save Lot. So a family member's prayers do effectively cause another chance to come. According to what we see, if God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we know this. But I want you to understand what's happening here. Had Lot been a righteous man and gone to these son-in-laws, it had Lot been living a righteous life, had Lot been like Abraham, well, number one, he wouldn't have been there. He would have avoided going into the center of the city. But he's got these son-in-laws that are laughing him off. Folks, if you're not living according to your word, the world is not going to take you seriously. Why would they laugh Lot off? Well, because he's living right in the midst of it. If we're so evil, why would you live here? Why would you commence with business here? Why would you be here if this is such an evil place that it's going to be destroyed? Why did you come here in the first place? It's a fair question. The world asks us that every single day. And we have people in the church today who are giving the church and Christianity a bad name because they have one foot in the door and one foot in the world and they are inching ever so closely to the world. The church of Laodicea in Revelation is the best example because it says that because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. God saying that to them, essentially saying, look, you claim to be spiritual. You claim to have these things going for you. You claim to be this. You claim to be that. And yet your life does not reflect the words that you speak. You are sitting at the door warning the world of what is inside, yet living inside and making it your home. That is the story of Lot. So my question, are you a lot? Because a lot is tough to handle. In the church, a lot is destructive in the church because the the thing about it is, is that Lot wanted nothing to do with Sodom. In some ways, but he wanted nothing to do with Abraham in some ways. But see, Lot got used to this life. He asked to be 
allowed to go to another city where who knows what's going on rather than go into the wilderness and spend time with his um, family, go and find hope. And, you know, with those that are like minded, he says, no, I want to go there and they allow it. But, you know, there's a couple things we see here because as the time moves on, you want to see proof that he lost his children. He offered his children for uh, sexual favor to the city. What happens next is they are dragged out of the city and they take to run and the wife obviously turns around and goes back or looks back or whatever it is and turns to salt or powder depending on the translation and um, dies. So it's Lot and his daughters. They get to Zoar and what happens next is that the daughters then take advantage of a drunk father and become pregnant. And it's a generational curse thing because up to 10 generations, they are now no longer allowed to be a part of things. Um, it's, it's scary in some ways that one decision I can make can affect my family 10 generations down the road. But it's true. The decision Lot made to go into Sodom affected his family 10 generations because this is where we are in the world today, folks. What this generation begins to find tolerable, the next generation then makes government law. And as we go through the years, then eventually everyone that comes into contact with those things, they will fall away. Folks, this is a lot. And a lot is devastating within the body because a lot is sitting on the fence. A lot is not serving. He knows what to do. He's just living amongst the world. I told you I've been thinking a lot about this. Now I wonder what kind of thought process Abram had in the midst of it all. Or Abraham had in the midst of it all. When Abraham looks out and sees the smoke of Sodom. And knows that it's been destroyed. I've tried to imagine the questions he might have asked, like, does Lot live? Or maybe the question of, is Lot alive? Did Lot not have nine righteous friends? I mean, he wasn't far from ten anyway, right? I mean, Lot, his daughters, his wife, all they needed was six more. Well, you had the sons-in-law, that's four more. All they needed was four more to be righteous. All Lot needed to be was a righteous man leading his family the way it should be. They couldn't find ten righteous people in Sodom. And destruction came on the whole of the world. Now, folks, if you are living among the world and you are buying into worldly ways and they may be leaving you alone in some respects, out of respect for who you say you are. But you're dangerously teetering on a fence. And, and you're struggling. And you're a lot. You might be sitting at the gate warning people that are going in. But if your lifestyle, if you were living in the midst of that world, your lifestyle speaks more volumes than the words and the warnings that you're throwing out. 
We can go to Facebook today and we can warn the world about everything that's going on. We throw Bible verses around like it's going out of style and we throw them around and we quote the scripture and we talk about what it means to us and we talk about what it means to the world and we talk about how this is going to happen and that's going to happen and we play a righteous game. But then they see our other posts that are worldly, our other posts that are far from that they see us offer things to the world that were never offered by the righteous. They see us play the game that Lot was playing and try to barter with the world and, and make ends meet and do things. And I'm as guilty as any. We all have been guilty of this at one point in time or another. But are you a lot? Are you a lot? It's a fair question, and it's worth looking at. Lot knew who God was because of Abraham. He had been saved by Abraham more than once because of what God had chosen to do, and God's favor for Abraham extended into the life of Lot because Lot was saved from Sodom and from destruction because God had made Abraham a promise. And maybe you have been saved from destruction because God made someone who was righteous and praying a promise and you're teetering on a fence. You've been saved from destruction, but yet here you are running to another place, searching for your own answers, trying to live in the midst of the world with one foot inside the door, hoping that you don't lose your chance. So here's the question. Are you willing to step in and take full opportunity of the chance you've been given? Are you willing to step full foot into the life that Abraham was living? Go back to your family and claim what is rightfully yours as a member of the family. Look, I'm not trying to make a big deal. I'm simply saying in the church today, we have three that we see examples of in Genesis in these five chapters. The stories of Abraham and Lot and the Sodomites. We have those who are outside of the world who can step in and save in some ways. Who are willing to fight and do what needs to be done to save but they're not taking any spoils for themselves, no matter how many are offered. They do it because God has blessed them to do it. And they walk away saying, you have no power over me. Abraham knew that. If he gave power to the world, the world would take it. And he didn't give. Lot, on the other hand, made his home in the world while trying to, quote, live a righteous life. Lot tried to live one way and speak another almost it seems because it says that the people of Sodom said you are not like us and we've left you alone but now we are going to do this because we realize you're not much different eventually as we live in the world and as we reflect the ways of the world and as we continue to try to play this one game this righteous game while we're also with one foot inside the world what's going to happen is we're going to reveal something to the world and the world is going to take advantage of that 
and say, well, look, if you're willing to do this, then you're not any more righteous than us. And here we go. Now we're going to do worse than we would have done because now you've proven to us that you could have been treated differently. Have you ever thought about that today? Folks, if you're playing friends with the world, if you're making friends, it's not about that. The The goal is to not be a lot. But the reality is Abraham had a lot to handle. He was concerned about a lot. But what did Abraham do? He put a lot in God's hands and he trusted a lot to God. And God saved a lot on Abraham's behalf. He's still kind of doing the same thing today. Because we're all part of the same promise. But are you a lot today? Have you been prayed over? Have you been searched over? The reality simply is this. Lot was a sodomite. Lot deserved death with the sodomites. According to what we see there. But God saved him from the world. Now what Lot chose to do with that. It's between him and God. But it shows that it affected him. Peter mentions that when he says that righteous Lot was affected by the life of Sodom. He knew it was wrong, but there was nothing he could do. Folks, when we make our home in the world, when we... When we make our home in that Sodom, when we move closer to Sodom, it moves closer to us. When we make our home in the world, the world is going to overwhelm us. That's why scripture tells us to be set apart, to be different, to live accordingly to God's will and God's word and to strive and seek him where he may be found, while he may be found. The bigger story in all of this is simply that Sodom and Gomorrah is a bigger picture or a smaller picture of what is to come in the world today. Eventually, we living in the midst of Sodom are going to encounter those who come in to warn us and we're going to play this righteous game with them. But then they're going to tell us how it's going to be. And the world is going to try and overtake every bit of it. And we're going to try to compromise and make concessions with the world. Are you a lot? Are you an Abraham? Are you going to give what is God's to God and then keep only what you need and move forward in life with what has been provided by the Lord Knowing that the world has no control over you. Knowing that the world can't say you owe me this because I gave you that. The world can and will take everything you give it. But Abraham knew that. And he remained pure. So are you a lot? It's a fair question to ask yourself today. Think about it. Pray about it. We're going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to talk about your word today. Lord, I thank you for Abraham.
Lot, for the Sodomites, for the story that we have in your word. And Lord, as we look at those three types of people, I pray that you would help us in the church today to recognize who we are. But Lord, to strive to be like Abraham, like you would have us to be, that Lord, we would follow the path that you've set before us, that we would be yours. Lord, I pray that you would go with us now. You would direct our steps that if we are living the life like Lot, embraced and enveloped by the world and we're covered up by the things of sin and and the struggles that are happening within the city then lord i pray that today we would set those things aside that we would deny those things any relevance in our lives and that we would move forward as you would have us go lord go with us lead us direct us continue to show us your glory we pray this now in your holy and precious name amen Thank you for listening to the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can get it on all major platforms that are out there. So we thank you for joining us wherever you're listening. If you want to go listen to another on another podcast, uh, feel free. We, we'd love the plays. Share it with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash where the wild things aren't podcast. No apostrophe in there, no spaces. But you can find us on Facebook or just search for the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast on facebook send us a message let us know how we can be praying for you also if you just need someone to talk to about the lord we'd love to do that as well we try to get a new episode up every week on friday so until next week enjoy your week in the lord thanks for listening to the where the wild things aren't podcast